Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Bring the Vegas gaming experience to the palm of your hand. Bet your favorite team, try your luck in a casino, or our poker room. The earliest sports lines and the biggest limits online. Lots of deposit options. Bet on live events as they happen. The next play, the next score. Get winnings fast or roll them into a parlay and win even more. Visit Bet Online today and see what millions of customers have experienced for over 20 years. Buccaneers from the 48-yard line. Second down, 13. Brady lobbed one downfield. Caught ball by Gronkowski. Inside the 20 to the 15-10. Gronkowski to the 5 to the 4-yard line. Holy Gronkowski. <laughs> Here's the snap. Pressure coming from the outside. Brady throws a pass. Caught ball. First down to the 50. Outside the numbers. 40 to the 30-yard line. To the 25. It's Perriman. Bashad Perriman. Touchdown Tampa Bay. Fox win in overtime. This is the big nasty. Yeah, big nasty all fame Tampa Bay Buccaneer fan, baby. This is Mike Allstott, Tampa Bay Buccaneers, and you're listening to the Cannon Fire Podcast. Cannon Fire Podcast, brother. You ain't listening, and you're missing out. Woo! And there are the cannons, Cannon. Fire them. Keep on firing them. Keep on firing them. Hello and welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to a brand new edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Live on YouTube today, following Week 7's matchup between the Tampa Bay Buccaneers and the Carolina Panthers. 21-3, your final score as the Bucs fall to 3-4. and four. I really don't have a lot of good things to say about that performance. I, I just, I don't. Um, normally, we try to open up the show. We're in a great mood today. We are live from Berry House Beer Company in Ybor City. Beautiful Ybor City. It has been an awesome day, aside from the game. And kind of like the watch party last year. So we are now 0-2 on watch parties, which means if we go November 27th, Bucks versus Cleveland, and, uh, you know, they find a way to lose to the Browns, and they're 0-3, I think that may be the end of the Cannon Fire watch party. But, Evan, how are you doing after that one? Boy, thank God the Phillies are one win away from the World Series, huh? Yeah. this team sucks right now. Yeah, like, I mean, this, this team, team is, is – there's not a lot of good things you can say. Yeah, it's, uh, you know, thank God you guys had a great day at Berry House, you know, because that, that makes it much better. If you were just sitting there watching this at home, I mean, it's it's probably a miserable experience. But being at Berry House, a great atmosphere like that, I'm sure it was a fantastic day. But, uh, you know, you say about the watch party last year, at least they scored a touchdown last year. Um, so at least there were, there was something to to hang your hat on there. Here, there was nothing. Uh, this is the worst loss that, I mean, I, probably one of the worst losses that I can remember ever, uh, ever watching the Bucks Because when you, when you talk about, yes, there have been worse, like, t- statistical losses, sure. But I think, you know, in terms of the talent that's on the team, the opponent you were facing, and the situation you had, this is easily, to me, the worst loss that I think I've seen covering this team, watching this team. It, that's bad. It, it's it's bad right now, and, and they are a bad football team right now, which somehow are still in first place in the NFC South. Yeah, I mean, the NFC in general in shambles. The NFC South and not that much better of, uh, of shape. The Saints lost on Thursday night football to Arizona, and then the Falcons lost to Cincinnati today as well. The Panthers getting their second win of the season. But, yeah, I mean, you look at the situation the Bucks were in coming into this. You, you had the most embarrassing win you've ever had last – or the embarrassing loss you've ever had last week. 
You know, you kind of expected to bounce back and have that be the outlier on the season because every year since Brady's been here, there's usually one loss a year to a bad team that you can chalk up as, hey, maybe they just weren't ready to play. And uh, today, the Bucks had every chance on the planet to to just silence everyone with, you know, a glass half empty outlook on what a three and three record could be. But when you drop back to back games to one win teams, it's hard to look at what went wrong. I mean, for Tampa Bay starting things off today, the offense was just non-existent yet again. Mike Evans had the uh, the touchdown and he dropped it on the opening drive of the game. That would have been the first first quarter points for Tampa Bay in seven football games. Now eight games since the Buccaneers have put any points at all on the scoreboard in the first quarter. I mean, what the hell? James, by the way, joining us for the show today live from Barry House, our good buddy James Hill, a.k.a. Mr. Bucks Nation. James, you were reacting live to the game today. What did you think of uh, what happened to Tampa Bay out there? Well, I think right now the way you look at it, this team has an astronomical number of questions, right? An astronomical number. Um, I can't necessarily hear Evan's points on it just due to, you know, the old technical difficulties snafu, but I imagine it's it's a similar thoughts here. Um, this team so far, seven weeks through the season, is playing like a six to seven win football team. It, it, that's in, according to Evan's face, it looks like that might be generous, right? Um, I think that this team has to address everything at this point top to bottom i mean there's a lot of blame that you know needs to be thrown around i know people want to throw a lot of frustration at one at one group or the other oh it's byron Leftwich and todd bowles and it's just them or oh it's the players and it's just them no folks it's everything at this point top to bottom you've got to you know you've got to question the coaching staff you've got to question the players um just everything play call you know play calling coaching staff execution of of play calling all these different types of things and you know they they deserve to be questioned on that because so far they have shown up with nothing i mean absolutely nothing to showcase that this team is what they have been the past couple of seasons have they lost some players sure they've also added some players uh you know, talented players at that, and they still have a very, very talented roster, a roster that is too talented to lose to, again, Rhett, you said it, two one-win teams back-to-back, both of which were not playing with their original starting quarterbacks throughout the entirety of the game. The Carolina Panthers, you look at this team, they had their third-string quarterback. They had an interim head coach. Their original head coach was fired. They traded away their best offensive player on their team in running back Christian McCaffrey and their wide receiver two to the Arizona Cardinals. And this was still a team the Tampa Bay Buccaneers could not defeat. And to be fair, yes, the Panthers, they do have a, a talented defense with some good young pieces. But three points. Even if you want to say, oh, well, Mike Evans, he would have scored that touchdown. Okay, that's 10 points. This offense needs to score more than 10 points, point blank, simple as that. And the defense giving up over 100 rushing yards, big running plays time and time and time again to the Panthers' second and third string running backs, all of that is just completely inexcusable. And I think it's a perfect summary. And really, this is this is the rock bottom type of game for the Bucks so far, where it has just been... I guess the best word to describe it is spiraling, and now it's hit the bottom. This is about as low as this team has gotten so far this, this is, season. 
this is the lowest the Bucks have been in the Tom Brady era. This is the first time since week one, 2020, that Brady has been in a Bucks uniform with a negative record. And to think that we're headed into week eight on a short week, going up against Lamar Jackson, a former league MVP in the Baltimore Ravens, it feels like, honestly, you know, this is just a ridiculous uphill battle the Bucs are going to be up against this week. And when you look at the offense and what they've brought to the table so far, first seven weeks of the season, how do you not think to uh, – you know, to bring into question Byron Leftwich in particular as the offensive coordinator. I know we've done a lot of Brady defending on this show. We're probably going to do some more of it headed into next week because it was it was hard to say that it was all on him when guys like Mike Evans are dropping touchdown passes and Chris Godwin had a couple of drops today as well. Execution or the errors are there, but Evan, you know, when you when you look at this team from top to bottom, how can you look at the offensive coordinator and say, okay, this is this is acceptable after seven weeks of football? Well, you can't. Um... You know, 21 points in two games against two of the worst teams in the NFL. Um, that's not going to get done. You know, that's that's not going to get done at all. And the offense has looked like this kind of throughout the season. But, you know, they had a lot of injuries at points and they weren't playing with a full lineup. Now they are. Um, and there's th- th- there's no excuse. Um, now, will Byron Leftwich be fired tomorrow? I don't think so. It's a short week. It's tough to fire a coach on a short week like that, and, and you'd be too. It'd be too much. But it wouldn't shock me if if this is if he doesn't finish the season because there has to be some sort of consequences for this. If you want to uphold a standard that you have, there has to be consequences for this level of play. And we know the talent's there. Like the talent isn't the issue. We know it's there. Like we've seen it. Mike Evans doesn't just all of a sudden suck at football. Tristan Wirfs doesn't just suck at football. You know, Chris Godwin, Leonard Fournette, Tom Brady, these guys, they don't suck at football. So what, what, what's the denominator here? It, it's coaching right now. And, yes, it's also execution. RLF, which ain't out there dropping the ball, you know, for a 75-yard touchdown that's missed. You know, that's not a left witch. But – it's about getting the guys ready to play. You had a third and one, you had a second and one that you didn't convert in anything because you went for on third and one, didn't get it. We all knew what that was going to be because they line up with zero wide receivers and expect, I guess they think they're like this juggernaut powerhouse running team. And then they run a toss play on fourth and one and they don't get it. Like, what do you expect? It's the same thing over and over again. And like the definition of insanity is attempting to do the same thing over and over and expecting different results. And right now, this Bucks offense is lost, and Byron Leftwich should absolutely 100% be on the hot seat. There, there's, there's no excuse for it right now. So, I mean, this sounds like the million-dollar question. Everyone's going to have the same question heading into this week, but how do they turn it around? You know, I, I mean, what, what has to happen? Because like you said, the talent is there. This Bucks team can win with the roster of players that they've had. We've seen this offense with both Mike Evans and Chris Godwin on the field average 30 points a game. And, yeah, we've talked about navigating, you know, the absence of an Antonio Brown, the absence of some of those other wide receiver and four, uh, wide receiver threes and fours. You know, Rob Gronkowski, you obviously feel him, his absence in the red zone. But, unfortunately, those guys, those guys aren't going to be walking through the door tomorrow. Like, you're not going to get Antonio Brown. I don't think you're going to get Rob Gronkowski back. At this rate, if this team is struggling to make the playoffs, I know the NFC is in shambles, but at a three and four record, you think Gronk wants to come back to this? Are you kidding me? Like they're going to lure him out of retirement to come play for a team that's still facing an uphill battle to uh, to 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 make the playoffs. I just I don't like it one bit, and, and someone certainly needs to be held accountable. But James, what do you think about the offense going forward? How how can they potentially try and fix this thing? You know, I've I've heard you know we've been hearing this for weeks and weeks and weeks now, right? Where hey, they don't have Gronk. Hey, they don't have AB. Guess what, folks? There's offenses out there that are 
doing a lot more with a lot less than what the Tampa Bay Buccaneers have right now. Look at the Detroit Lions. It is a fantastic example. They, at one point this season, had the top offense. They have, you know, Jared Goff is their quarterback, and Amonra St. Brown and DeAndre Swift. Those are some good players that I mentioned, but there are offenses out there that are doing a lot more with a lot less. So at this point, that's, you know, it's a, it's it's an excuse that's over. It's overdone. You know, there's no AB. Oh, man, there's no Gronk. Yes, do they miss those guys? Of course. But even if those guys aren't there, you shouldn't need those guys to have a, a top offense at this point, right? You have enough talent there to where you can at least – do more than what we've been seeing so far and there's a because there's just examples of teams doing more with much less talented players and and more creativity with what they're able to do in their offenses so you know the idea of well man they're just doing bad because uh man they miss gronk and they miss antonio brown of course they do any team would miss those guys but what do good teams do what do good coaching staffs do they adjust and they make do with what they have, and they find creative ways to get playmakers the football. And right now, we're just not seeing that from the Buccaneers, point blank, simple as that. Um, so I think that that's pretty much run its course at this point. And as I said at the top of this stream, top to bottom, things definitely need to be questioned with the amount of talent that this coaching staff has at their disposal, especially on the offensive coaching staff. They've, they've got to have a lot of questions thrown their way, and I feel like understandably so. Yeah, and and you know it's it's you. I think you hit the nail right on the head. It's everything. It's not. It's not just one thing. It's, um, it, it's it's the players. It's it's the coaches. But like you know, like I talked about, when you have a, a a talented offense like this, like why has it changed so much? Well, you gotta look at the big thing: Bruce Arians not being there anymore, and Byron Leftwich basically having the full control of the offense. Now, you know, I know there's a lot of people in the chat saying, "Oh, is Brady gonna retire?" Look, that's not gonna happen. Um, and I don't, you're not going to be seeing Kyle Trask or Blaine Gabbard or anything like that, because while Tom Brady is to blame for some of this, don't, don't get me wrong. Tom Brady is to blame for some of this. He has to be, he's the quarterback. He's not, he's like probably not even a top three or four problem on the offense. Like there is a lot of other problems besides quarterback on this offense right now. And I mean, you know, the, why, why shuffle the left guards in this game? You know, Luke yeah, that- goes out there. Luke Gedeke goes out there and gets bullied like he has been for the, the whole season, really. You bring Nick Levert in. Then you put Luke Gedeke back in. Then you bring Nick Levert back. It doesn't make any sense. And it just – you want to talk about continuity on the offensive line. That's that's terrible. Yeah, no, I, I think the Bucks were looking for a short-term solution there, and that wasn't the way to do it. It was kind of an odd move to see Levert come into the game. I mean, I can't say it was shocking for a lot of people who have seen how bad Luke Gedeke is, but – what was even more shocking was to see Gedeke back in the game later on. And we, we talked with Sean King about how when you're using depth pieces, when you're using second and third string guys, Gedeke's a starter, but he's a rookie. They're going to get exposed in longevity. And it's almost like Leverett didn't even have the chance to, you know, to go out there and try and potentially make a difference before they toss Gedeke back in the game. So I'm not sure what the mindset was behind that. You know, let's talk about the offensive line. I mean, even though they were moving some guys around, what did you make of their performance today? Tom Brady, we'll talk about his day really quickly because it put some pressure on the offensive line. Anytime your quarterback drops pack to pass uh, 49 times. So 32 for 49, 290 yards. And honestly, even watching the game, it's hard to feel like they had 290 yards of passing offense, but somehow they did. 
What did you make of the offensive line today? Brian Burns registered a sack, but aside from that, it didn't feel like Brady was feeling the heat quite as much as he was last week in Pittsburgh, but he was under pressure. Yeah, the the offensive line, um, yeah, I thought Donald Smith had a rough day, uh, had a false start, and uh, then you know, that Brian Burns is a great player. Like, like, there's a reason that the Panthers would be crazy for trading Brian Burns at the trade deadline. Like, they would be absolutely insane to do that. He's still young enough. He's a great player. Um, but, you know, and I thought the offensive line did okay, but it's – it's clearly something like they still they're giving up some pressure on the interior um while it wasn't as evident today as it was in pittsburgh i think that's mostly because pittsburgh probably has a more talented defensive line than carolina does um i i think that's the big reason for that but um yeah it's just it wasn't the offensive line. It's not like the offensive line was it was in shambles, but it's just the overall just philosophy on offense. Like it's just it's it's everything. It's everything combined um, with you know the 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 uncertainness you know of of the the interior and Donovan Smith maybe not having a great game when he's played really well this year. Uh, you know, plus you know, the Mike Evans drop and Chris Godwin had a drop and it was a tough catch, but it was still a drop. Um, you know, Tom Brady had some inaccurate balls. Uh, Leonard Fournette can't seem to find a lane on a third and one. So it's just, it's everything right now. And that's why I think when people talk about the offense and when people continue to talk about this offense, it's going to be tough because there isn't just one thing that, oh, if you fix that, it'll all be good. Like there's not one thing. So it, it's difficult when there's multiple different things because it's not an easy fix. It's not a quick fix, something that you can just snap your fingers and it all goes away. So that's what I think makes this more frustrating is that it's not just, oh, fix the left guard and you'll be fine. Like, like that's what a lot of people thought for a while, but that, that's clearly not the case. Because clearly something else is up, whether it's philosophy, whether it's the players they have, something else is going on. And this offense right now is just, I mean, they've scored one touchdown in the last like eight quarters. I mean, nine quarters, I think, of football. I mean, it's just, it's, it's pitiful. Right now. Listen, like you said, it, it's tough to pinpoint one thing on this Buccaneers offense that is has, has led to what we have seen throughout the first seven weeks of the season, but... The question still remains, like, like what is it? You, you know, it, it can't be a mystery because at this point you can go back and you can watch the games and there's a little bit of execution errors here. A lot of it could be looked at of coaching. I mean, top to bottom, it's just a bad offensive unit, and, and that's what it could be chalked up to. But another thing that I've noticed, and this isn't just on the offense, this is both sides of the ball. I'm not too upset with the defense today. I know we should be upset. I mean, there's no energy, though. That's the thing. There is no that's type coaching. of energy. There is no type of fire on either side of the football. And yeah, 100%. That's coaching, James. When you look at this team from top to bottom, I know we talked about coaching and we've talked a whole lot about the offense, but you could agree with me, but that, like, there's just, it doesn't feel like there's any sense of spirit out there, as corny as that sounds. They're coming out flat, man. I mean, you know, and even the defense today, you know, you talked about it. Still, at the end of the day, you know, a 27 carries, 173 yards, and a touchdown for the Carolina Panthers rushing the football today. Inexcusable whenever you have Donta Foreman and Chubba Hubbard as the running backs of the ball. They, they came into this game knowing that. That's the issue. They came into this game knowing that, hey, the Panthers are dealing away some parts. They're not going to have Christian McCaffrey to throw to out of the backfield. They're not going to have Robbie Anderson. DJ Moore had one of his best games in a Panthers uniform today. But, like, they were missing offensive weapons. They were going to run the ball, and they just did it. They just went out there, and they did it. And then P.J. Walker, 16 of 22, 177 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. Um, you know, when, when you look, 
I talked about it earlier about teams being able to, coaching staffs being able to do more with less. The Panthers are a great example of that. The Buccaneers were outcoached in this game. They were outplayed by a one, now two win Carolina Panthers football team. And I don't think the defense is necessarily excused either. You know, I understand that they had injuries. Carlton Davis was hurt. Uh, Sean Murphy Bunting was hurt. Zion McCollum was picked on in this game. They didn't necessarily adjust to that. Um, that was a little bit of an issue. The rushing attack was obviously not – the rushing defense, rather, was obviously not good. Again, it goes back to the original thing I've been saying this entire live stream. It's just top to bottom. You know, that, that this team needs to be evaluated and something needs to change. At this point, I would say by whatever means necessary, you don't have time or you don't – you can't have the attitude to say – oh, well, you know what, man, if it doesn't work out this year, shucks, it doesn't work out this year. No. This is arguably Tom Brady's last year. You're on a timer, man. You need to figure this out, point blank, as simple as that. So everything needs to be evaluated. Everything needs to be questioned and adjusted. And we'll see if this coaching staff is up to task to be able to do that. This is um, going to be a big, big, big test for Todd Bowles and his staff and what the future is going to look like for them moving forward. Uh, based on how they respond to this. How pitiful this Bucks run defense has been in recent weeks, it, it's not an excuse. You know, don't get me wrong. I talk about how I don't want to be upset with this Bucks defense, and it's hard to shy away from looking at probably, you know, their least improved unit so far um, on the defensive side of the ball. Their least improved area, excuse me, is the run defense. It's just been bad, and the bad has gotten much, much, much worse. But the fact of the matter is, you look at this defense and you look at when they're giving up points. I know Carolina scored first, and that came back to bite them in the ass because they had the touchdown. They dropped it. It didn't happen. Could have been a 7-7 ball game. Carolina had the momentum. That's all she wrote. But for the past two weeks, whenever the Bucks find themselves down multiple possessions, everybody's looking around saying, hey, where the hell is our offense and why can't they score any points at all? None. I mean, nothing. We have gotten nothing from the offensive side of the ball for the last two weeks, and it is just it is beyond pitiful. So like I said, we can be mad at the defense for the amount of rushing yards that they gave up, but God damn it. If we get a first half touchdown, I mean, this is a one possession game all up, all the way up until, you know, it just, it isn't. PJ Walker threw the ball 60 yards last week, 60, 60 yards through the air last week for PJ Walker. What did he, he, did he, did he throw it the week before too? Uh, I think he might have gotten a little bit, but it was late in the game, I think. Okay, all um, right. So, yeah, he didn't start that game. So, um, and then today he was 177, two touchdowns, no interceptions. This defense hasn't come up with a turnover since Sean Murphy Bunting's interception against Kansas City. That's three straight games now without a turnover for this defense. And this is – we kind of you know, unofficially transitioned to the defense, but I don't think there's an excuse for the defense either because Devin White is actually one of the worst players on his defense. He he is. He was he was the reason for that long uh, Deontay Foreman touchdown, uh, not touchdown, but the long run that led up to the touchdown. I mean, he has him in his grasp. Make the freaking tackle! Like I mean, that is inexcusable. And then he wants to talk about you know he he likes to talk a lot, but he doesn't like to have his play back it up. So dude, just shut up and, and go to work. All right. You know, that like that's what I think you need to do, because right now your play is not backing it up and you want to go, you know, pump in your chest and smile and stuff after you make a big play. Put your head down and work, because right now you're not it. 
Like, you're not. You are you are one of the worst players on the defense right now. He consistently misses tackles. He misses assignments. And he's, just, he's been brutal. Does he have a lot of potential? Sure. But, like, right now, it doesn't matter what potential is if the production isn't there. So, Devin White, just a huge, huge disappointment after he had a great game versus Dallas in week one. Just a NFC Player of the Month. NFC Player of the Month to open the season. And then after that, it just seems like he totally kind of said, you know what, I'm going to I'm gonna plateau from here on out. And, and it seems like he must be riding the, the coattails of that NFC Player of the Month because he must be looking at something else and just thinking, oh, I, I'm good. I don't need to do anything else. No, you need to be better. And uh, they they can't, you know, they can't come up with turnovers for, for at all. Um, they can't come up with pressure with four consistently. Shaq Barrett has disappeared. Vita Vea showed up a little bit today. I know he got the sack. Um, I mean, but even their blitzes today didn't even get home. It was just, it was... Very, yes, the, the defense wasn't awful, you know, stat-wise. Like, it wasn't awful. They gave up 21 points. They get they didn't give up any points in the first half until the very end of the first half. But And it looks worse when your offense only puts up three points. But this defense still has to be better. And they need – they're they're pride on two things, well, you know, pressure and takeaways. And right now they're not getting either of it. So the Ravens are going to come in here and you want to talk about the run defense. The Ravens are going to come in here and run for 300 yards. Like not actually 300 yards. That's an exaggeration, but it's going to feel like it if they don't correct these things quickly on a short week. So, um, you know, the defense, they kept the bucks in the game. Like, sure they did. They gave the offense plenty of opportunities. And I think if you have to blame one side, it's a team loss. Let's get that out of the way. But if you have to blame one side, you'd blame the offense more than the defense. I think the offense, not scoring a freaking touchdown. That's yeah. That's on the offense. But I think the defense also, they had their chances to try and create energy. Just like you said, I love that point. There is no energy. And that comes back to the coaching. The team takes on the personality of their head coach. What is Todd Bowles' personality? He's, you know, he's flat. He's flat. But like, he's, flat. Fine, but he's not he's not the fiery type you, and, and listen you have to be dan campbell you know but like <laughs> you gotta, like clearly something's going on in that locker room right because they are taking the personality of their head coach that's what that's what type of energy this team has right now james before we move on we talked a lot about the defense and, and some of the guys on the defense who have talked trash up until this point in the season devin white being one of them having probably his worst game of the season so far today and then uh, this defense, which just hasn't been able to to really, you know, force any takeaways these past couple of weeks, haven't really been able to produce to put your offense in a better situation. How do you feel? Is this a reflection of Todd Bowles and his philosophy for this defense right now? Because, you know, Evan just said it too. This team is a reflection of their head coach right now. And with a lack of energy, it's hard to look anywhere else. But, but what do you make of this defense and some of the guys who were talking trash earlier this year. Well, one thing, one quote that I'm always, that I've been reminded of, and as soon as he said, I was like, that's a dumb quote, uh, was whenever Devin White had said, oh man, you just get bored out there, you know, whenever you're dominating so much defensively. And it was after the Atlanta Falcons game, I believe. Uh, I don't know if that's the exact No, quote. It, it was, yeah, it was after the Falcons game. They they had a, what was it, a 21 nothing lead, and they slowly but surely let them back into that game. And the reason he pinned it on is because, yeah, you just kind of get, quote, bored of imposing your will and that's probably the thing this season that has aged uh the worst is is that quote from Devin White yeah but you look and you know this defense you know is the defense that has a lot of nicknames for themselves and you know it is what it is I've never been a big fan of the nickname type of uh type of thing um to me it just kind of comes off as I don't know just too much maybe in certain situations 
And right now, we know that I'm sure you guys talked about it. The defense is just as flat as the offense now. Um, there have definitely been situations where it's not necessarily the defense's fault, but guys have got to play better. You know, in the case of Devin White, I'm sure you guys have talked about it. He's had a rough stretch here of a couple of games where he hasn't been able to necessarily get the job done. I mean, it's it's a lot, man. It's a lot. And like you said, some of these guys talk at certain points throughout the season, and then they go out there and they put up disappointing performances. Uh, it, to me, it definitely lends the idea of just like, look, you've just got to go all the way back and just say, address everything, you know, just address everything. Well, moving yeah, forward. It, sorry, go it, ahead. It's, you know, I mean, and, you know, Zion McCollum's in a tough spot, um, you know, coming in for Carlton Davis, you know, who was a, you know, yesterday, you got the news that he wasn't going to be playing. And I, I think McCollum was okay. I mean, yeah, he got burned a few times on the touchdown. I think he got burned, but um you know, it's it's a rookie playing in you know, his real first exposure in the NFL. I'm willing to give hey, him a pass. Sorry, I hate to interrupt you. Packers, oh, I think it may be an illegal forward pass. Packers look like they were going to pull that thing off, but they will not. So Washington takes out the Green Bay Packers. Game's not going to end on a flag, so we'll see if this is an illegal forward pass. It could be the end of the game. But, uh, you know, I, I, I listen, as we try to hold on to any sort of desperate hope right now for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers competing for the playoffs and eventually a Super Bowl at the end of this year, the NFC is also in shambles. I mean, the, the Green Bay Packers are a penalty call away from falling to a 3-4 and four record. Not saying that people had as high as aspirations for Green Bay as they did Tampa because the offense just isn't there. But, I mean, yeah, I, I don't know. I guess he's trying to bring something well, here. But we had the, the, we had the live here, crowd here, reacting here. to that. That was a fun last play of that game. Here's the thing. You know, the Bucks, regardless of if the NFC stinks or not, whatever. The Bucks are staring down the barrel of three and six. Like they are staring down the barrel of it because the Ravens on a short week, that's going to be a tough game. That is going to be a tough football game to win. And then after that, yeah, you get the 10 days rest, but you have the Rams who have owned you the last two seasons. So they ended your season last year. Like they have owned you the last two seasons. You are staring down the barrel at three and six. So while you say, oh, the NFC's weak and stuff, it is. Like it's very weak. And the Bucks being bad are part of that. But I look at it as it's not going to matter because like if the Bucks don't take care of any business, like it doesn't matter how bad the NFC is because eventually if the Bucks aren't going to win the NFC South with four wins or, th- or three wins, whatever they may end up with, you know, like they're not going to win the NFC South like that. So they're staring down a barrel of a really dark place and it is, it, it's, it's concerning and it, it's full blown panic time. You know, we, we said a few weeks ago that it wasn't panic time in Tampa. Well, now it is, you know, we've reached that. Here it, here it is. Here it is folks. I, yeah, I agree. I agree, because like I said a little bit earlier, you know, the Bucks had every reason to come into this game and, and kind of silence the doubters because there were a lot of them. When you're 3-3 three and three with Tom Brady, I know that first four-game stretch is tough, and a lot of people want to talk about that, but the Bucks came out of that 2-2. Two and two. Like, that that's what it is, you know? And you faced a couple of uh, bad teams since then. You drop a game to Pittsburgh. That's all right. Let it be the outlier on the season. Learn from it. Come back and get better. They came back this week, and they, they, it, they got worse. Like they literally, they, they literally felt like they got worse because the Panthers are just a worse team in a worse situation. I know their defense has got some studs, but it does not matter. The Bucks should have got the job done, and they didn't. James, I wanted to get your thoughts on, you know, we look at the games coming up for Tampa Bay. Evan just talked about it a good bit, but 
You got the Baltimore Ravens on a short week. So less than a week from today, the Bucs are going to be on Thursday night football at home playing Lamar Jackson. After that, you got the Rams. And then the week after that, you wake up really early. You're in Germany playing the Seattle Seahawks. So that could be a winnable game. But Geno Smith has also been competent so far for Seattle. So it could not be a winnable game at this point with the Buccaneers dropping games like they have these last two weeks. But what do you think about the possibility of this Bucs team being in a 3-5, and 3-6 and six position here with a couple of tough games coming up? Um, I just did the math, and right now the Buccaneers' offense is averaging 17.7 points a game. That's not good enough to beat the Ravens. That's not good enough to defeat the L.A. Rams. At this rate, it's not good enough to defeat the Seattle Seahawks. Uh, by the way, Seattle's another really good example of being able to do a lot with uh, a little regarding good play calling. Um, but Good coaching. Yeah, but... Um, it's It's another tough stretch right now. Evan had talked about it where they had to win these two games. These were supposed to be, you know, the Buccaneers were supposed to be not three and four in this situation. They were supposed to be, uh, you know, four or what, five and two, essentially, going into another tough stretch or maybe five and three, something along those lines. And they've blown this situation. It's spiraling now. Uh, Like I said earlier, right now, I definitely feel like they're kind of at the rock bottom. And if things don't improve... Uh, things could really start to get ugly here, if if they, because I mean, what do you what do you think, Evan? I know I can't necessarily hear you, but do they have to win these next three games in a row here? If they want any shot to, at like, if, well, if they want any shot to, um, you know, build any good graces back, yeah, like, but they're not going to. Like, what evidence do I have that they're going to win all three of those games? I don't even know if they're going to win two of them. Like they might beat Seattle. They're better than Seattle. I I think, but like Seattle's playing better football than them right now. So like, I don't know, like they're, they're not going to beat the Ravens and the Rams. I mean, they're not playing this way. They're not going to beat anybody for the rest of the year. You hope that, you know, talent wins out and you have to, you'll play a little bit better, which yeah, they'll play better. Like, you know, every week's a different week in the NFL, but, um, I have no confidence in this team right now. And why should I, why, what, why should I give them the benefit of the doubt? What good standing have, have they given me to make me feel confident that they're going to win versus the Ravens are going to win versus the Rams. Even, I mean, that Seattle game is going to be freaking close now at, at this point. Like it's, it is, it's a, it's a bad spot they're in right now. And you know, you, you lose these next two and you know, and I hate counting them as losses already, but look, it's the facts. They're not likely to win those games. Like they're not. Um, you know, you lose these next two, go to three and six, your season's over. Like I, I don't care how bad the NFC South is, the Falcons, the Saints, heck, the freaking Panthers. If the Bucks lose to the Ravens and the Panthers beat the Falcons next week, the Panthers are in sole possession of first place in the NFC South. That 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 is a, a true stat. Um so the, the the Panthers could be, I mean, you go to three and six, you're not winning this division. There, there's, there's no way you're winning this division. You know, I mean, yeah, you're in first right now with a three and four record because the South is brutal. But like right now, the way you're playing, like you might win one more football game if you're going to keep playing like this. Uh, and it's, I, do I think they'll win one more? No, they'll probably win a few more. But like right now, is this a playoff team? No, like this is not a playoff team. And they have to take a good, long, hard look in the mirror because right now this looks like a team that could be going for a top 15 draft pick or even a top 10 draft pick. Um, 
you know, and then if, if that's the case, then you have to, I think, just like James said earlier, you have to look at the whole thing in the offseason then. You know, you have to look at Todd Bowles. Is he a one and done? You know, you go, he, you have this much of a disappointment. It has to be in your mind, I think. Jason Light, you know, how how much good grace does he have? You have to look at everything. Uh, if, if this season continues to spiral out of control, like it, it's it's really starting to go down a dark hill here. And um, I, I hope they get it fixed. Like we're not rooting for them to, oh, lose every game. Yeah, get the first pick. We're, we're not rooting for that. Obviously, you know, we want the team to win, but right now it's just speaking facts that it's not likely like this team until they show me otherwise i'm gonna assume they're gonna be continue to play bad football i agree i don't know if i don't know if you saw my mouth moving but i was trying to transcribe to him a little bit so yeah i guess we can break the illusion peel back the curtain uh, so James is the only one who doesn't have piped in audio to Evan. So I've been trying to help him out. We'll play the assist here, but I think we've so, been I can say, so far. I can say any, yeah, I can no, say yeah, anything can, I can, want about yep, James. You can say anything he, at all you want about James, and he'll, I, he won't I be can, able to hear it. Everybody else will. But me, all right, cool. That's that's great. Yeah, good to know. Um, but Tampa Bay right now, just like you said, what evidence are they going to give you that they can turn it around later in the year? I don't know, but. Listen, if we want to hang on to something as we start to wrap up this show, because to be honest with you, it's going to be a shorter episode today. I don't really know what else from the game we can break down. Maybe a couple of points to be made, but we're going to find out everything we need to uh, throughout Jay, the rest Jay of the week. Camarda. Jay Camarda bounced back with Hey, Jay Camarda did have a bounce back game today. I thought the special teams unit was improved. There was one touchback at the start of the game that he would have liked to get back. It seemed like if your gunner was there a little sooner, they could have knocked that thing out of the end zone. But you definitely like to see that from your rookie punter. Now you just look for him to get a little more consistent here. But listen, this team isn't three and five yet. And every team is different. Every week is different in the NFL. Every year is different. It's a different coaching staff, different players. I mean, there's probably less than four players that were on this team in 2016 who are on this team now. But that 2016 team was, uh, what, three and five? And then they won five in a row to go eight and five. I'm not saying the Bucs are going to do that because what hope have they given you that they're going to string together a couple of wins here and, and turn their positive record around? But we have never seen this Bucks team with Tom Brady have to dig themselves out of a hole at this point in the season. They have been close. 2020, they were seven and five. 2021, they had a couple of bad games, especially around the bye week. But they've never had to kick it into high gear and kind of, you know, dig themselves out of a valley the way that they're going to have to do the rest of the season now. And and I hate to say that I still think they can do it because I know you said it yourself. Until they show you otherwise, I don't think they can. But I don't know, dude. It's just it's it, it's Tom Brady. It's always a different conversation when it comes to Tom Brady, even when he's sitting at three and four. Yeah, well, it's it's gut check time now. It's I mean, it's crazy that we're even talking about this because, you know, you thought after losing to a terrible Pittsburgh team that it would be gut check time then. Uh, but it is truly gut check time. It is time for players to look in the mirror. How do they want to be remembered? Um how does Todd Bowles want to be remembered? How does Tom Brady want to be remembered? Every, you know, looking at Tom Brady's career, nobody's going to say this is his final year. Nobody's going to say, oh, well, you know, he had a great Oh, career, he's not he's he, not the greatest anymore because yeah, of this year. But, yeah, his, like that's not thing. But like, is this really how Tom Brady wants to go out? Like, obviously, no. But like, he has to look in the mirror like because he has to be better. You know, it's not it, it's not just, you know, we talk about everybody else, but he has to be better as well. Like he's included in that. Uh, he has to look in the mirror. Do you really want to your last year in the NFL? The, is this how you want it to end? So um, I think the entire team just and 
on a short week, you know, it's not going to be easy, but you got to find a way to, to look in the mirror and, and keep chugging along and, and just try your best to work yourself out of this hole. But it is going to be just incredibly difficult. And I think the most frustrating thing you've done is to yourself. Uh, it's not anything that an opponent has done to you. You have done this to yourself because you are, you are talented, way more talented than both the Steelers and the Panthers. And you lost both games and weren't really competitive in either game. The Steelers game, obviously the final score was closer, but that wasn't very close. We, we all know like the vibe of that game. You, you've done it to yourself. And I think that's the most frustrating thing. And I think that's what is most concerning is that it's not anything an opponent's doing like, Oh, an opponent, they're just, they're playing out of their minds. No, it's, it's the bucks beating themselves, not necessarily with flags or, or, or dumb plays, just bad plays, just bad football. And I think that's the most concerning thing. Our buddy shaving with peg leg with, uh, I wish it was better context. Great talking uh, shaving with peg leg. Not only that, but a great quote here. Uh, you can't dig yourself out of a hole when your head coach doesn't know how to use a shovel. So obviously taking some shots at Todd Bowles there, but uh, kind of accurate description of where this Bucks team is and, and where they're yet to be is is going to be determined by this coaching staff and how ready they're going to be on Thursday night, short week against the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, James, you were checking out the post-game press conferences. Any juicy bits or quotes from Tom Brady or any uh, anybody else on this coaching staff? Well, Tom Bowles did say after the game, this per Peter Report and Greg Allman, that they're not going to be making any coaching changes, but they are going to try and change what they're doing as a coaching staff. And on offense, it's just a situation of not executing both as players and as coaches, uh, and that's something that they're going to change there. So... Uh, seems like a pretty typical answer from Todd, from Todd Bowles there. Um, and he said that, you know, they're just going to have to keep on digging. And also that is going to be uh, kind of an evaluation time to see who's going to step up and who isn't going to. We just made the uh, we just brought up the comparison with the shovel. Todd Bowles not knowing how to use the shovel, but he said it himself. They're going to keep digging. So so we'll, we'll see what happens. Hopefully they don't dig themselves deeper into the hole that they already have at three and four. Uh, yeah, just not ideal for this Bucks team whatsoever. Um, today was supposed to be a lot more fun than it was. And uh, obviously, I want to give a huge shout out to all of our friends here at Berry House Beer Company for having us out for the second year in a row for the Cannon Fire Watch Party. We'll be back November 27th for Bucks versus Cleveland. And I'm going to be honest with you. I said it at the top of the podcast. I'll say it again now. If we go 0-3 on watch parties in two years, then uh, I, I don't know if we're going to do this anymore. I think we, I think we might have to find, I think we may have to find another way to connect with our, to connect with our Tampa fan base. We'll I'll have to know, start posting them. Cause uh, you're not, I'm one and oh, we all know you're not. Hosting them. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, yeah, you talk about like I, I think Todd Bulls maybe took the the he heard grave diggers too much and and he's taken it a little bit too seriously. So bored with the idea of me hosting watch parties. That's what I could tell from his reaction. Uh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Just doubt that you can, that's all. Listen, as, as we start to wrap things up here, I want to get everybody's final thoughts before we wrap up. We'll be back later on this week. It's our weekly show with former Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback Sean King. We'll get his thoughts on this week's seven matchup. And, of course, maybe we'll do an unofficial game preview uh, for that Thursday night game. I mean, you know, realistically, only a couple of days away here. Hopefully the Bucs are ready, man. Um, but, Evan, let me get your closing thoughts here as we uh, wrap up today's show live from Barry House. Yeah, just obviously, you know, I think this is, like I said earlier, this is the worst loss that I've seen uh, from a Bucks team. Obviously, there's been worse Bucks teams, but in terms of the talent they have, the situation they're in, the opponent they're playing, and how they actually play, this is the worst Bucks loss I think I've seen ever. 
which is saying something because you have seen some stuff. Um, but it's 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 a dark, dark place right now, and I just don't know how they're going to get out of it. So I hope they do, and I hope for Bucks fans' sake, I hope you know they're, they're able to string together a nice little run here, and it would be a great story, right? Like the thing, like during the middle of the season, oh my God, they lost these two games, but they bounced back. But at this point, it just it doesn't look promising. It doesn't look promising for our record predictions. I mean, I had them at twelve and five, and they're Brutal. one loss away from that. So I don't know if they're going to run the table and go eleven and one with the games that they've got left. And, and you've got them eleven and six, which even coming into the year. People were ripping your head off for picking them at 11 and 6. And now I, I guess people would be jumping for joy if we told them they would finish the year 11 and 6, wrap up these final games, go, uh, what would that be? 8 and 2, I think, over the last 10 games. 10 games left after this. Yeah. 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 And uh, it's, um, yeah, it's going to be an interesting 10 games. <laughs> It'll be an interesting 10 games for sure. James, I wanted to get your final thoughts as we wrap up the program. Uh, 21 to 3, Bucks fall 2, 3, and 4. How are they going to dig themselves out of the hole starting on Thursday night against the Baltimore Ravens? Uh, you've got to take a look at the entirety of this team, top to bottom. And it sounds like they are going to at least try and do that. Uh, we'll see how successful that is. You've got to take a look at everything the coaching staff, first and foremost, and then work your way down. And we'll see how successful that is. We'll see if they make any moves. The trade deadline's coming up as well. You know, there's always been those rumors of them trying to sign maybe a guy like Odell Beckham or something along those lines. Um, We'll see what they end up doing. If they make some big-time move, you know, Evan's face kind of looks like, why would Odell Beckham want to come here right now? That's That's a pretty legitimate question to ask right now. So, I mean, we'll see if they make any big move to try and give this team a jolt, but Right now, I think the first and foremost, you've got to analyze everything and try something different, starting with the coaching staff, then moving your way down to the players. You don't have a lot of time to do it before your next game, but something's got to change here. Otherwise, things are just going to continue to spiral out of control, and right now, they're at the bottom of the pit. Yeah, we had mentioned it, James, on I think it was on your live stream, if not the top of this podcast, but everybody talks about the pieces they could potentially bring in with the trade deadline coming up, and then the absence of Rob Gronkowski, who you have certainly felt in the red zone. I mean, how are you going to lure Rob Gronkowski back out of retirement? This guy is partying whenever the hell he wants. He goes to bed as late as he wants, doesn't have to work out anymore. And you're going to bring him back to a team that's three and four, potentially three and five. You're going to say, hey, hey, I know things are all dandy over there in retirement land, but Tommy's in some trouble and he needs you to help bust some ass to get this team where they should be. It's not his responsibility. And at this point, he's just, he's not going to want to come back. I, I think people are going to have to realize that. But Anything could happen any given Sunday in the NFL, so it could make for a great story one day. This could be the beginning of the end for the 2022 Tampa Bay Buccaneers. With that being said, ladies and gentlemen, that's just about going to do it for this week's post-game edition of the Cannon Fire Podcast live on YouTube. We appreciate you guys. Shout out once more for the final time today to our friends at Berry House Beer Company, hooking it up all day long. They cover the tab for me and James, and we truly do appreciate you. This right here is the last little bit of their Tampa exports, 5.9% alcohol uh, percentage, and it's just it's crisp. It's good. I mean, if you like golden, I, I think Berry House has the best selection of lagers you can find here in Ebor City. Nothing's, like, overly bitter. Even if you don't like dark beers, they have a Dunkel. And um, it's not bitter. Like, it's a dark, thick, foamy beer, and it's not bitter. I don't know where else you can find anything like that. But thank you again to Berry House Beer Company. Also, shout out to our friends over at Jimmy's Tacos today in Ybor City. 
hooking it up with the food delivery. 25% off your order if you mention a Cannon Fire Watch Party. They were hooking it up for everybody today. Saw three or four delivery guys come through. Uh, I got the Berea tacos. I believe you got the quesadilla, James, and you said it was awesome. Yeah, I got the quesadilla and the chips and queso. That was the highlight of my day so far. Uh, I also had some orange juice, which was pretty good. Um, yeah. Well, maybe we'll wrap yeah, this James, thing up. James sounds like he just lost his gold. Uh, <laughs> I, I mean, I listen, I... James is trying really hard to to not let his internal feelings win right now. But when you feel the way that you do after the Bucks play the way that they did, it, I, it's hard for me to blame him. You know, I don't, I don't blame him. All right, well, ladies and gentlemen, like I said, that's going to do it for this week's episode of the Cannon Fire Podcast. Thank you so much for checking us out right here on YouTube.com live after Week Seven. The Bucks are three and four with a short week. We'll see if they can bounce back. Follow the show on social media, Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. All of those are Cannon Fire Podcast. Best place to go for updates on the show. And, of course, Tampa Bay Buccaneer news as it happens. Speaking of Bucks news as it happens, you can follow my co-host Evan on Instagram, Bucks underscore daily, the number one Buccaneers fan page on Instagram. You can also find him on Twitter at EvanNFL. Last but not least, you can find myself, Instagram, and Twitter at Redicus, R-H-E-T-T-A-K-U-S. If you follow me, I will follow you back. Also, forgot to mention, you can check out Evan's written work at BoxNation.com. What have you got this week? I'll have the uh, – and James's. Um, I'll have the um, – it, it was my turn to plug my stuff. I'm not sure why he's trying to steal my thunder. But uh, I'll have the, the staff uh, predictions review, which, yet again, on the spoiler, just like last week, they will be all wrong. Um, so especially mine because I predicted Chris Godwin would get a touchdown and guess what? The Buccaneers as an offense didn't even score a touchdown. So great work by me. Thanks again to James for being here. Mr. Bucks nation hanging out with us at the can fire watch party. Uh, even though it wasn't a successful day for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, it was successful for us. We got to meet up with a lot of people. Shout out to Mikey Kelly and anyone else who came out. We truly do appreciate you guys saying what's up. We'll see you at the next one. November 27th, Tampa Bay versus Cleveland. In the meantime, we'll talk to you guys later on this week with former Tampa Bay Buccaneers quarterback, Sean King. I'm your host, Rhett Matthews, signing off for my co-host, Evan Wanich and James Hill. We'll talk to you then. Until then, and as always, thanks for watching, and go box. Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.